Welcome to the Manor. Welcome back to the Twin Terrors, Macabre Manor, Mead, Metal, and Mayhem. I'm Jody. I am Mademoiselle Seamus Perot. <laughs> what? Hi. I'm James. <laughs> I don't know if I could do that again. And the fact that I called myself Madam as well means I'm not going to either. So, uh, continuing the Jimmy Page and the occult, uh, I, I thought I would do an episode, and it's, this has nothing to do with Jimmy Page, but it'll lead into uh, it'll lead into Jimmy Page. So, uh, what Lori Maddox said when she put on the strap one. Did you say Jimmy Page? No, Page. Damn it. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, this, you know, Jimmy did some uh, some some things we've already talked about. We'll talk about again with the tarot, and thought we'll do 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 an episode on the tarot. Woo! Yay, tarot! But before that, what are you drinking, my fine fiddle of a gentleman? Well, um, I realized that we had this in the house. Um. Uh, and and you and you and Rob occasionally talk about this on uh, on Messenger when, when we're all messaging each other, and I I kind of like I'm like oh yeah they're talking about the the fruity whiskeys again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, uh, Rebecca had a bottle of Crown Royal uh, Apple, the Regal Apple. Ooh, nice! I love me some Crown Regal Royal. Yeah, I thought I'd try it so. Um, here's here's my first sip. Well, you you do that, and while you're sipping, I'm gonna just mention that my family does a shot of Crown Royal every Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's what my grandpa drank. Okay. So how is it? That's good. It's good. It's got a little bit of a caramel apple flavor. Hmm. Neat. I think I guess have you have you tried the you've tried the apple right? No, no. I'm pretty sure Rob has. I've not. I don't. I don't know. Maybe it's just the whiskey that's making me think of the caramel flavor. But no, it's it's not bad. It's actually. Um, I think the apple flavor gives it a bit of a smoothness that I. I. I um, it didn't burn as much going down. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. No, I'd like to try it, but I never, I, I have not. I mean, this sounds good. I'm trying to think of, uh, well, I know I've had an apple brandy, and I know I've had a peanut butter whiskey, and I don't know, I've had several things, but I, uh, yeah, not that one, but I do like Crown. And I like apples. Huh, how do you like them apples? Ah, yeah, they're good apples. Hi. To move on, <laughs> uh -huh. I'm having so uh, as we record this on a Tuesday, and I munch on a Halloween Kit Kat <laughs> in, in June. A Thursday and Friday last week, I I drank way more than I needed to. Uh huh. I don't even remember what I did Thursday, like what, what I was doing that caused me to have a few. Um. <laughs> I, that, that's, I, that's kinda, I don't know. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of how bad it was. Friday uh, is a monthly sort of colleague get together, and I always finish up work before everybody else because I get to work at you know six thirty seven in the morning, and so I'm done by three. We don't meet till five, so hey, look, I have two hours, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're meeting in Fountain Square area at Tappers, the arcade bar, and well, mm -hmm. what else is in Fountain Square? Kumas. Uh, Kumas, yeah. Yep. Well, there's also Fountain Square Brewing. Um, I hit both of those before I met my my colleagues. I had two beers, well, one and a half. I did a I did I had one and a half at Fountain Square, whose preacher's daughter's nutter butter mama, whatever it's a peanut butter red ale, and it's awesome. Okay. Has one, but anyway, I had one and a half there, then I went to Kumas and uh you know, we, we know people there. So I sit down and 
one of the guys I know comes up and Joe and says, um, maybe I should take his name out. No, nobody listens to this. <laughs> um, uh, says, Hey, happy Friday. Let's do a shot of Malort. I'm like, all right. <laughs> do a shot of Malort with him. And then I get a beer and I drink that beer, pretty heavy beer. I get another beer. And as I'm getting that beer, one of the other people that worked there all the time and know me comes up, goes, Hey, and hands me a shot of Malort. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's funny. Yeah, so two beers, two Malords. Then I go to Tapper's Arcade where I have three beers, I think, was all I had. Could have been four, I'm pretty sure three. But still, from three in the afternoon, and, and I, I left about 9.30. That's a lot of alcohol. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I have not had anything since Friday night except for... What I'm currently drinking now, which is Wellbeing's Match Day Light Non-Alcoholic English Pub Style Premium Pale Ale. And it's good. Nice. Yeah. 35 calories, less than a, most of them say less than a half a percent. This one actually says less than a 0.3%. So it's it's quite good. I'm, you know, I was actually feeling better even after Saturday. I, uh, still better but after yeah. you know, having four days off now <laughs> feeling pretty good <laughs> no anyway yeah i'm ready to do some tarot if you are okay so i asked jody beforehand because i know we used to do all this weird stupid stuff when, what do you and, mean used to well different stupid stuff and well so some of it's different, some of it's still the same. Uh, and uh I, I knew we had done tarot like he you had reading. Have you actually done the tarot? Like do you did you have your own cards? I can't remember. I have several decks. Okay. I have a Tolkien deck. Oh neat. I've I've got a Tolkien deck, I've got a dragon deck, I've got uh the the classic one the the writer weight writer weight um i've got a couple of others uh rebecca has several decks nice uh, and i'm not i don't remember if she's got the deck but i know she's got the book on uh the, she's got the book that goes with uh Aleister crowley's deck i think she's got that deck i just haven't seen it <laughs> it's hiding from you. <laughs> yeah. Or I'm hiding from it. <laughs> One or the other. <laughs> That's probably it's probably the smart thing to do. I'm not sure I would buy that deck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I said. Uh because I, I saw the book sitting on the bookshelf and I went, wait, do you know what that is? <laughs> She's like, no. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Let me explain this. All right, then. <laughs> Let me tell you about this guy. <laughs> Let me sing you a song. Mr. Crowley. <laughs> you know, I I think I would probably rather get some sort of satanic tarot deck before I would get the Crowley deck. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it because... I mean, these decks I have, it's, it's not that I haven't used a tarot deck, but the ones I have, I bought for the artwork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, me too. <clears throat> <laughs> so, so you know, I, I I wouldn't rule out buying Crowley's deck. I just wouldn't be using it. I'd just be buying it for the art. Yeah, that would make more sense. Still not sure I would, but, you know. Now I've got, I've got a few and I'll, I'll talk more maybe about the ones I have in a bit um because I, I have I have things and stuff and then we can kind of interject wherever we need to but I had some history and and some stuff on uh the people who made the writer wait as you know some history of the other some other decks uh, but then I was going to talk about a few spreads I use and my decks too uh um yeah because I, I actually use mine Okay. Uh, we, we've got a friend who does it a lot and she actually did me a reading. I'll talk about that when we get to that point here in a little bit. Uh, but do you, what do you think? History first or, or do you want to just start talking about our own things? 
Let's do history first. All right. I like that idea. Then then it lets, lets our listeners know that, that they're actually getting something new out of this besides just listening to us talk about our own experiences. Yeah. Which are even more interesting. Sure. Mr. Kraut. Down, down, down. That's not how the song goes. What's been done in your head? <laughs> and yes, amazingly, I'm sober. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the oldest deck that I could find and, you know, seemed to, to I looked at several, like I usually do, several different references. So hopefully these things are mostly accurate as far as anything regarding the tarot can be. Yeah. But we got the oldest deck, the Visconti Zvorza Tarot, which used to collectively was referred to incomplete sets of approximately 15 decks from the middle of the 15th century, which is now located in various museums, libraries, and private collections around the world. Mostly bring that up because it's the oldest and the mentioned no complete deck has survived. Uh, some collections have some face cards, while others just have a single card. Uh, but they are the oldest surviving tarot cards and date back to a period when tarot was still called triumphi, or triumphs, meaning the trump cards. Hmm. And okay. used for everyday playing. And I'll, I'll get to kind of how those were used here in a couple of paragraphs. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah. Um. Uh, this deck, also known as the Chioni Baglioni or the Francisco Sforza, was produced around 1451, you know, which goes with the middle of the 15th century. <laughs> yeah, last, last time I checked. <laughs> Unless you believe that conspiracy theory that there are a couple centuries in the Middle Ages that didn't actually happen and we're actually in the 18 or 1900s now. <laughs> what? Oh, no, nope, never, oh, never mind. That'll be a Tangent. good one. Yeah, we can do another uh, another conspiracy theory episode sometime. Yeah, you know, let's, let's leave it for that. <laughs> that was kind of a fun episode. It was. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, the originally composed of seventy eight cards, which is the typical tarot deck, but it um, now contains seventy four. It's because they they have some missing things, and you know, some twenty trumps, which we would call the major arcana. And okay. uh, 15 face cards, 39 pip cards, because the pip cards, and I'll talk more about that with the decks we typically use in modern times here soon, but mm -hmm. the ace through tens were more like our standard playing cards where they just had the pips, you know, the had the wand or the stave or the, you know, like just the number on there, not an actual uh, artistic design. Right, yeah. Uh, but they did have nice gilt background and, and some nice motifs, vines and flowers and stuff. And and uh, I, I'm assuming out of the four missing, um, let's see. Oh, I can probably figure it out because I've actually got some information here. Uh, looks like maybe um, one face card's missing, one pip card is missing. Um, I, I couldn't find which ones, but the two trump cards missing are the devil and the tower. Okay. So um, I, I tried to find it. It looks like we don't know what those two things look like. Okay. But that's just out of that one very first deck. That very oldest first deck, right. Okay. Or oldest deck, yeah. We, not necessarily the first, but the oldest one we know about. Yeah, that we know. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, the next one I want to talk about is the Tero of Marseille. I'm assuming it's Marseille, it's French, M-A-R-S-E-I-L-L-E-S, -L -L -E you know, kind of like Versailles, but Marseille. I thought it was Marseille. Could be. That probably is right. I mean, you know how I am with this. <laughs> so, so Marseille, yeah. Yeah. I like that. Thanks. That sounds good. That actually rolls off the tongue a little better, too. Okay. I'm still going to fuck it up when I say it, but I'll try. <laughs> That's we uh, I've had a had a guy called end of where I work today. He was uh, he was looking for some some tools, and uh, the the name of the company that we buy from is Japanese, and uh, yeah, he butchered it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's like it's really not that hard to say. 
but yeah, he 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 even told me he was going to butcher it. <laughs> I'm going to do my best. <laughs> That's I, yeah, I gave him credit for that. That was <laughs> right. But anyway, the tarot of Marseille, mm -hmm. the standard pattern of Italian suited tarot pack with. The full 78 cards that was popular in France in the 17th and 18th centuries for playing tarot card games and is still produced as of today. You can find this deck. Okay. I think it's probably created in Milan before spreading throughout France, Switzerland, and Northern Italy. Okay. Uh, but then this next part, tarot games are simply card games played with tarot decks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Gee, really, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, the decks with permanent numbered trumps parallel to the suit cards. Uh, so the games and decks, which English speakers call by the French name tarot, were also called trochi in the original Italian or tarot in German and you know similar other words in other languages. But not tarot. But not tarot. They're not tarot cards. No. Yeah. Well, you can find some it's basic not... rules. First, I, I was just going to keep going. What'd you say? Vince Neil. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd just be happy if you actually remembered the lyrics. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you can find basic rules for these games anywhere, but they first appeared in a manuscript of Martini. Martinio de Tortona, written before 1425. Okay. Games and cards are like everything else, a lot of variations along cultural and regional lines and used for gaming, but not fortune-telling, where what we consider the major arcana is a full Trump suit. Now, the next one is one Jody mentioned, and I also have this deck. And if you have been exposed to probably any tarot things in general, especially in popular culture, I remember the Dark Forces books back in the day when we were in junior high type of age, and one of yeah. them was, yeah, you use this, uh, but as the Rider Weight Tarot deck, which yep. is also known as the Weight Smith or the Rider Weight Smith or just the Rider Tarot, and I will get to why in a second, but I prefer the Rider Waite Smith. But this was based on the instructions and academics of Mystic A.E. Waite and illustrated by Pamela Coleman Smith, both members of the. And here is where we combine it with the last Jimmy Page and the Esoteric Order of Dave and Seamus episode. Uh huh. Both members of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. I knew you were going to say Golden Dawn. I actually did not know they were members. Yeah. But yeah. I knew as soon as you said they were members of something, it was going to be Golden Dawn. <laughs> Which is different than Tony Orlando and Dawn. Yes. Don't the <laughs> yellow ribbons go away. <laughs> Tie a yellow ribbon round the wizard oak staff. <laughs> Is that what they're calling it now? <laughs> Wizard staff have balls on the end. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, uh, the cards were originally published by the Writer Company in 1909. The images might be simple, but the details and backgrounds are overly heavy, given with symbolism, with imagery that has some similar features found in earlier decks. But overall, this card set this tarot card set are substantially different from their predecessors hmm. for example christian imagery was removed from some cards and added to others <laughs> really uh, the the papist became the high priestess and no longer features a papal tiara okay and why the hell there's a papist is beyond me because we fucking know that the catholic church isn't going to allow some woman to be in charge no that's true it's maybe it's because it's subversive. Ooh, I likes me subversive. Subversive. <laughs> Sub Damn it! <laughs> sure. What you said, yeah. <laughs> I like evil uh, 
paper scissors. Is that what they're calling it nowadays? That's what the kids are calling it now. You know you can get a shot to clear that up, right? But yeah, the symbols and imagery used in the decks were influenced by the 19th century magician and occultist Eliphas Levi, or Eliphas Levi, honestly don't know. I think you had it right the first time. All right, Eliphas. Or or closer the first time. Yeah, there we go. Let's go closer. <laughs> <laughs> and by the teachings of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, and in order to accommodate the astrological correspondences taught by Golden Dawn, Wei introduced several innovations to the deck. For example, he switched the order of strength and justice cards so that strength corresponded with Leo and justice corresponded with Libra, you know, scales. Eh, so. mm -hmm. Makes sense. He also based the lover's card on Italian tarot decks which have two persons and an angel to reinforce its correspondence with Gemini. Ooh. Yeah. I know that. Astrology. Ooh. And now, before I get into kind of how the deck was situm awaited. Okay. thought I would give a little background on those three people who I just mentioned. Eliphas Levi Zahad was born Alphonse Louis Constant in 1810, was a French esotericist, poet, and writer who initially pursued an ecclesiastical career in the Catholic Church, but he abandoned the priesthood in his mid-20s to become a ceremonial magician. Good for him. Yeah. He had well, goals. <laughs> and he went for it. <laughs> but, but to be fair, the difference between a ceremonial magician and a Catholic priest is <clears throat> Minimal. <clears throat> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I won't say what I'm thinking, but I, I'm guessing it probably, um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> not a large hurdle to overcome to jump back and forth between those two. Yeah. What one was probably an easier path to follow. <laughs> <laughs> Without, one without, without all the bullshit rules. <laughs> well, one definitely lets you get laid, too. <laughs> well. Not touching that. <laughs> then you can't be a Catholic priest. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> just just like the Catholic priest and the server. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> Uh, won't give much on him because that would be its whole episode if we wanted to. I'll just mention he moved to England where the English mages, magicians, occultists and stuff were all show us some magic. And he, you know, he's kind of new at the thing and he couldn't. They were all assholes. So he said he buried himself, therefore, in the study of the transcendent Kabbalah. Trouble no further about the English adepts and soon still became well sought after and well known in England. Yeah, cool. Oh, but this is the kind of neat part. It's a, a quote from him. It says, uh -huh. arising apparently from this science, there's one infallible, indefectible, and truly Catholic religion. And here Catholic just means universal. Right. Small c. Which has always existed in the world, but is unadapted for the multitude. For this reason, there's come into being the exoteric religion of parable, fable, and wonder stories, which is all that is possible for the profane. It has undergone various transformations represented at this day by the Latin Christianity under the obedience of Rome. Its veils are valid in their symbolism and may be called valid for the crowd, but the doctrine of initiates is tantamount to a negation of any literal truth. Therein, it is magic alone which imparts true science. That was a lot of words. Yeah, well, he's pretty much saying that there's one universal, truthy, magical science knowledge well and Nobody can really truly understand it. And people like the church try, but it's all messed up because people are dumb. And <laughs> to, to really know what's going on, you actually have to do real magic. Okay. Did, did, did you ignore my comment when you said English and I said pig dog? I didn't even hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Monty Python reference. No, no actual offense meant to any English, of our English listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Normans. <laughs> All right. Ready for my next person. I am. Are you? 
<laughs> like the server said to the Catholic priest, I'm, I'm ready, but nervous. <laughs> this is your first time. Why is your hair already parted in the middle? Oh. <laughs> anyway, Arthur Edward Wait. <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, born October 2nd, 1857 in Brooklyn, New York, USA. So Wait really? is American. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Actually says he's a British poet and scholarly mystic who wrote extensively on occult and esoteric matters and was the co-creator, of course, of the writer Wait uh, tarot deck. Um, but that's because he was in England when he did all this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's born in America. Okay. He could not tell you if he had dual citizenship. I just know he's born American in America. Okay. He joined the Outer Order of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn in January 1891 after being introduced by E.W. Barrage, who was a doctor and a, an occultist and everything, and is somebody that Aleister Crowley made an enemy of, just like he did. Well, everyone. I was going to say, Crowley made an enemy of pretty much everyone in the Golden Dawn. <laughs> and, and elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why, why stop with them? <laughs> why, why stop now when I got a good thing going? <laughs> are, you, are you sure it's a good thing, Mr. Crowley? <laughs> I, uh, that, I, I saw what you did there. <laughs> I'm not going to go into any more of uh, E.W. Barrage, but okay. I just want to, want to kind of mention that to, to put a couple strings together. And uh, in 1893, he withdrew from the Golden Dawn because there was a schism at the time, which I think we kind of talked a little bit about last time, briefly. I think so, yeah. yeah I mean, if we want to go into more detail, we'd have to do a whole episode or 10 on the Golden Dawn. And good in the future, but this is about Jimmy Page and leading up to his thing. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, in 1896, he rejoined the Outer Order of the Golden Dawn. In 1899, he entered the Second Order of the Golden Dawn. Okay. And uh, going to kind of pick over this because this is a little repetitive, but he's known for the Tarot Deck, first published in 1910, with Pamela Coleman Smith. And Waite authored the deck's companion volume, The Key to the Tarot, and was expanded, uh, republished in expanded form in 1911 as the Pictorial Key to the Tarot a guide to do some tarot readings. Okay. And what's notable about the Rider Waite Smith deck is that it illustrated all 78 cards when at the time, typically only the 22 major arcana cards were fully illustrated. Cool. Yep. There, there is an exception, the Sola Busca Tarot from 1491-ish, uh, which is mm -hmm. a alchemical type of thing. And it, did influence the Rider Waite Smith deck by having those instead of the pip cards. Okay. Uh, but yeah, prior to the publication of this deck, many esoteric tarot readers just used the Tarot de Marseille playing card deck. Okay. Hopefully I got that right. <laughs> I think so. Woo. Uh, but other than that, um, two things for him. One is one of his books, the Book of Black Magic and Packs. P-A-C-T-S, Pax, in 1898, mm -hmm. led a very young Alistair Crowley to, to write, okay. to wait for advice, and eventually through their associations with the various societies and brotherhoods, the two sparred and became enemies. <laughs> Shocked! Shocked, I tell you! <laughs> with Crowley attacking Waite in his writings for years, there's a hint of theatrics to all of this, and the contemplative Waite seems not to have taken the bait for the most part. And it didn't really slow down either of their output. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but according to Robert M. Price, who I forgot to make a note out of, but he writes about Lovecraft. And he says, Lovecraft's short story, The Thing on the Doorstep, includes a character named Ephraim Waite and says this character is based on A.E. Waite. Okay. But now, move on to Pamela Coleman. Pamela? Pamela Coleman. <laughs> Pamela Coleman Smith. There you go. Born 16 February 1878 in London, but her father was from Brooklyn. Yeah. And her mother was, they think, from Jamaica. Some sources actually say Jamaica. A couple of them say they don't know. Okay. 
Uh, nickname Pixie, for reasons I won't go into unless we do a whole episode, because her friend that gave her that was a theater person, and it doesn't really, it's very tangential to this episode. Mm-hmm. But she was a British artist, illustrator, writer, publicist, and occultist. She, besides the tarot thing that we'll talk about more soon, she also illustrated over 20 books, wrote two collections of Jamaican folklore. Hey, huh. Sent my wife to the Caribbean for a vacation. Did you make her? No, no, she wanted to go. <laughs> <laughs> she had a two, two magazines and ran the Green Sheaf Press, which is a small press focused on women writers. Cool. Uh, but uh, Yates, who we've talked about, old good WB, introduced Smith yeah. to the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, which she joined in 1901 and in that process met Waite. When cool. the Golden Dawn splinter due to personality conflicts, Smith moved with weight to the independent and re- rectified right of the Golden Dawn or Holy Orders of the Golden Dawn. And it was about the time, around 1909 then, when they started to uh, produce the tarot deck. Weight commissioned her, her help. Okay. Yep. Uh, besides um, the tarot deck and, uh, and some illustration projects, it's kind of sad from what I read. Her art found not a lot of commercial success uh when she was younger she had a lot of success in in, in new york uh, it says with stiglitz i didn't look it up i think that was the art um what do you call the person who owns the galleries uh what do you know um uh, the gallery owner yeah sure we'll go with that uh, or is the name of the gallery or both I don't know. yeah i have no idea yeah so she did really well in fact uh uh, I don't think I have that note in there, but there's something neat about how hers was the first successful things to be shown there that weren't photographs. They were paintings. Cool. And some of her works were collected by her cousin, the American Sherlock Holmes actor, William Gillette, who I've seen in a couple things or um, heard. I can't remember if I listen to radio pod things or not. It's been a long, long time. Okay. Ah, but anyway, tangential, but we've talked about Sherlock before, so threw that in there. She was also an intimate friend of Dracula writer Bram Stoker. Okay. And, of course, the poet William Butler Yeats, who I just mentioned. Yes, yes, you did. Oh, hey, here we go. I did have these notes. Uh, including three successful exhibitions at Alfred Stieglitz's fame, New York Gallery, 291. So he was the gallery owner, and the gallery is called 291, where she was the first non-photographic artist to even have a show. Cool. And just to mention real quick, Ryder, because we've been saying the Ryder Waite or Ryder Waite Smith. Yeah. Ryder is a publishing imprint of Ibery Publishing, a Penguin Random House division. And the list was started by William Ryder and Son in Britain in 1908 when he took over the occult publisher, Philip Willoughby. Hmm. At the time, the editorial director of this new list was Ralph Shirley, and under his direction, they began to publish titles as varied as the Rider Waite Tarot Deck and Bram Stoker's Dracula. Cool. Yeah. So, Rider, when you hear that, is the publishing company. Yes. Okay. All right. So that's why that's why you like to say Rider Waite Smith because that gets both of the 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 artist and the writer writer in there yes don't mind the publisher being in there yeah without them it would have gone out but yeah i I think both way and smith should should definitely be in there and we'll we'll even talk a little bit more about that well but yeah the uh the cards were first published during december 1909 by the publisher william Ryder and son of london it's a very limited first run Uh, much larger printing was done march 1910 with a little better cardstock quality. And this edition, often referred to as the A deck, was published from 1910 to 1920. And Ryder continued publishing the deck in various editions until 1939, and then again from 1971 to 1977. Okay. Yeah, that's right. I need a little drink in there. I already mentioned the pictorial guides of the tarot and the guides and everything that Wait put in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that pictorial key to the tarot was issued and had black and white plates of all 78 of Smith's illustrations. So it was a fully illustrated key to reading the tarot. Okay. Uh, in 2009, 
just to jump forward how and, and reinforce it's actually my notes here but to reinforce what jody just said uh u.s games systems which we'll talk about again soon published a commemorative deck titled the smith weight centennial deck as part of the pamela coleman smith commemorative set celebrating the 100th anniversary of the 1909 deck uh, but they put smith's name first and omits the publisher's name to try cool. to give her the proper credit that's cool yeah actually i kind of want to find that one i didn't know about yeah. that until no did this oh and weight is often cited as the designer but it would be more accurate to consider him as half the design team with the responsibility for the major concepts structure of the individual cards the symbolic system and what's not mm-hmm. but because he's not an artist himself he commissioned weight to create the actual deck and it's likely that smith worked from weight's written and verbal instructions rather than from sketches so detailed descriptions of the designs which is how illustrators often worked back at the time so she would have been very comfortable with this working process so weight would have provided instructions especially for the major arcana but all of them and yeah. she would draw them so it really was collaborative it was not she was not just some little worker drone bee which worker bees and drone bees are different i know that yes. but <laughs> yeah yeah between it took really the the two of them with looking back at some of the earlier tarot decks like the marseille and everything mm-hmm. you know, but it was her illustrations for the minor arcana and everything else that really made it as popular as it was cool but the tarot card is known to us, especially in the United States, and even help keep it going around the world, due to Stuart R. Kaplan, founder and chairman of the U.S. Games Systems, which has been producing and selling the Rider Weight deck since 1917, when it's actually the Rider Weight deck, that's what I'm going to call it, even though I think it should be called the Rider Weight Smith. Yeah. Yeah, uh, to go back in history a little bit. Uh-huh. Tarot came to be used in fortune telling. For example, Antoine Court de Gabelin in 1781, a French Freemason and Protestant pastor, because back then there was a lot of overlap and they weren't batshit crazy. Yeah. Well, different batshit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say they actually burned people at the stake back then, but Pretty sure some uh, Protestant ministers would be okay with doing that now if they were allowed to. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Anyway, Antoine published a book called Le Monde Primitif. Uh, you know, actually, I actually didn't look it up. I, I Le Monde, I think, means the earth, and I'm guessing Primitif is um, like uh, prime. I'm not, huh. don't know. I do know Le Monde means the earth because there's a really good beer called Le Fin du Monde, and I know that means the end of the earth. Oh, okay. I did not know that. I, I knew about the beer. <laughs> I did not know that's what it meant. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, this book traced the mysticisms of the ancient world and their surviving traces in the modern, and in it included the French playing card deck, the Tarot de Marseille, and it connected everything to the Egyptian deities Isis and Thoth. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have things to say? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I uh, uh, in the late, mid to late 90s when I was really starting to look into my Celtic heritage, I, I found a book on Druids that was probably written around late 19th, early 20th century, so around this time period where we were talking about the creation of this of the Rider Waite Smith deck so I'm like oh cool Druids and I'm starting to read it and the author is trying to tie Druids in Ireland and the British Isles and you know Northern Europe Gaul and or Western Europe I mean um, and all that uh, back to Egypt and the priests of Isis and say that's where the Druids came from. Hmm. <clears throat> All right, then. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
Uh, just like some people try to say, it's one of what Brutus's generals who came and established Britain or something like that. And um, Scoti is, is actually, uh, um, was a Roman or Egyptian daughter of, shit, I can't remember. It's so much bullshit out there. I can't keep track of it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. There, there was a uh, golden, I don't know if it's golden dawn, but there's a temple of Thoth in Indianapolis for a while. You could even find where it was and I, I get it listed, but I went to that address uh, several years ago and it wasn't there. And then now I can't even find that information. So they, uh, maybe it really wasn't there and I dreamt it all. <laughs> uh, well, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's always a possibility. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I prefer to get my news and science through uh, mystic symbols and dreams anyway. Okay. Yeah. Right. Anyway. <laughs> no, no, that's why I'm going to go to 19th century England though. <laughs> uh -huh. And the things were, becoming quite heated for people wanting to do all things occultish. Uh, worlds of knowledge, couple of current thinking and the psychology of the human mind and everything. And everybody became looking at the spirit world. You know, I mean, but uh, I know we've talked about uh, what's his nut? Um, uh, Gerald Gardner, uh, the yeah. Gardnerian, Gardnerian Wicca. Yeah. Uh, would have like its origins in 1954, but he would have been around uh in the late 1800s so he would have been a kid and influenced by this you know a teenager mm -hmm. and um shit what was the other thing that we talked about <laughs> oh uh the, the the sherlock um the guy who wrote sherlock wow i, I don't have this in a note i just this this kind of came to me as a dinner <laughs> who the hell wrote sherlock um <laughs> arthur Conan yeah. doyle yeah yeah doyle yeah he was uh, he's the one who took pictures of fairies and stuff and or tried to and did things and yeah, okay. yeah anyway <laughs> now he's sure. he's friends with Houdini and they both looked at things from very different sides and kept trying to disprove each other <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but anyway uh interesting uh, photographing ghosts came up Christians began reading the Kabbalah and People try to commune with the dead, you know, so all this came about. And this is the time of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, devoted to the study of the occult, one of the first organizations of its type to fully admit women in addition to men. That's actually pretty impressive for that time period. Yeah. Yeah, the first one opened up in London in 1888. So, yeah, not, not too shabby there. And cool. People hear about Golden Dawn and they go, ah, Alistair Crowley, they're all a bunch of bad shit. No, most of them were just, you know, I don't say you have to believe in what they're doing, but most right. of them were just people trying to get knowledge and everything, and they were very, very open to women. Probably easier to have sex magic if you are uh, into the other sex, if you have both sexes there. Without going into gender studies or anything at this time, I'm, you know, they're Two genders, more more or less. Okay, that's uh, something else. <laughs> I'm just I'm just happy they were open to things. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a different discussion for another episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or not at all. If you want to know how I feel, find our page on Facebook or something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, called the Isis Rainia Temple, it was founded by three Freemasons who were also members of the. Rosicrucian Society of England. No idea what that is. Oh, the Esoteric Christian Order. There we go. Did have that note. And early members of the Golden Dawn included William Butler Yeats, Alistair Crowley, and Arthur Edward Waite, among others that we mentioned in the last Jimmy Page and Nicole episode. Yeah. So I'm going to take me a quick little drink because we're hearkening back. Oh, yeah. I heard that. <laughs> that was water. Ah. I was wondering how much whiskey you're gonna have. <laughs> no, I I didn't have I didn't pour that much, and I'm done with it. So, cool. Yeah, can't do too much of that in a night. No. Well, you could, but then you no, feel like no, me. If it was the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, several splinter temples formed over disputes. 
largely seeming to do with the later famous occultist Aleister Crowley. <laughs> who I imagine that? Yeah, who may be our next episode? I'm trying to decide how you know what order to do these, but he was infamous for his experimentation with drugs and his libertine lifestyle, and his outspoken minority opinion that homosexual desires should never be repressed or ignored. Out of all those things, most people could probably get behind one or two or all of them. But anyway, one of the reformed orders included Arthur Edward Waite and Pamela Coleman Smith. Okay. So, in 1908, the British Museum acquired black and white photographs of a full deck of tarot cards now known as the Solobuska deck that I mentioned earlier. It's extremely special, and Arthur Edward Waite would have known that when he went to go see the photographs on exhibition at the museum. And cool. Remember, this is the one that actually illustrated all the pip cards mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, would just have pips on at least a two through ten, if not also the ace, just having one. Right. And with all these cards gorgeously illustrated and everything and everything all set up, uh, it looked beautiful. And he thought that he should also do a deck and uh, wait, talk to Pamela Coleman Smith and start the deck. Cool. So between the two of them, they created an original 78 drawings of this new Darrow tarot deck, the first one in English. Okay. Ooh. And unlike other decks, Waits Tarot would be primarily used for divination. So the images would be intentionally laden with meaning. So not just mm -hmm. for playing tarot games, but for actually being able to tell your future. Cool. You know, yeah. now... Now I want to know the rules of some of these games. <laughs> I actually have a link. Um, I, I haven't read the whole thing. I Oh, no, no, never mind. The link actually goes back and lets you read Arthur Edward Waite's initial pamphlet. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Couldn't find that either. I started to find that and I found a couple of things. This one is uh, Stuart Kaplan that I mentioned, the U.S. game system, whatever the fuck it's called. I'll find out here again in a paragraph or two. Uh, the guy who did the, yeah, he put out a big press release thing. That was it. Okay. Never mind. Can't help you with the games. I'm sure we could find them, though. <laughs> yeah, that that would be, I think that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Invite some friends over. Hey, we're going to play some cards. <laughs> Start dealing out tarot cards. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing at all. Just make sure you don't lose all your money. <laughs> this is how this is how these cards were originally used. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah was, anyway, moving on. The definition thing with just a regular pack of fifty-two playing cards. Oh yeah, you can. I I remember actually one of my house parties. One of the uh, girls, um, no, that was the Ouija board. She did something with tarot too, but I can't remember the Ouija board. She just cut out letters and put in a circle, and two people would sit in the middle of the circle. Um, shit, what'd she do with tarot? Something similar. Okay. I, yeah, I don't remember. I remember the, the Ouija board thing. I don't remember the tarot thing. And I remember remember some dumbass in, that was in the room when we were doing that. Somebody stuck their head in and said, hey, you, come here. And they walked uh, walked by Ooh. and messed up the circle. And she was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you don't break the circle. That's right. Now, here we go. In six months, Smith completed the work, seemingly from written instructions by Waite, uh, for the Major Arcana, and evidently her imagination uh, guided the rest of the deck. So she did actually most of the thoughts on the Minor Arcana. Cool. It's published in 1909 by Ryder Company in England. The next year, Waite published his guides, uh, and then next year after that, he did the full book, The Pictorial Key to the Tarot. Okay. And this is the neat part. Smith's drawings under the guidance of weight, they're who proposed a thoughtful way for everyday people to read the cards years before the industry of professional tarot reading sprang up are supposed to be vibrant and intuitive. So when they made this beautiful art-minded deck, mm -hmm. it, it passed, you know, to, to get into the mainstream, the divinatory meanings of the cards is in a way such that a pure novice is likely to guess at them, even on a cursory peek at the image itself. You don't have to fucking memorize 
these big ass things that give you every goddamn thing that come through. Yeah. Okay. Now, not saying that's not good. I went through, I had memorized them all for a while. I don't know them all anymore. I'm also a proponent of just the more you do it, the more in tune you become to your deck or decks yeah. and it gets easier, which talk about here in a, in a few minutes. But yeah, they're supposed to be able to just kind of do it by picking them up and looking at them. So anybody says that you need a big booklet to tell you everything, they're wrong. Hmm. You can quote Arthur Waite on that. <laughs> <laughs> Who also, by the way, died in 1942. Uh, 42. Uh-huh. Uh, obituary published in the Brooklyn Daily Eagle called him the author of many books on occult phenomena. But there was no mention of the tarot deck. When Pamela Coleman Smith died 16 years later, uh, cannot find an obituary for her. Huh. The tarot cards didn't disappear, but they also weren't really flourishing, which means here's Stuart Kaplan. Dun dun dun. Uh-huh. Yeah. He was working in New York City in the late 1960s, managing mines in West Virginia and Pennsylvania when he went to Germany on a business trip in 68. Where, out of curiosity, during his free time, he went to Nuremberg Toy Fair. Hmm. He had created his own student survival board game in the U.S., had seen a little bit of success and stuff, so he knew about games. But yeah, when yeah. he came upon an exhibition booth of the Swiss A.G. Mueller and Company, he found an odd deck of cards and was intrigued and didn't know okay. much about the tarot at that point, but cut a deal to import a few thousand of those decks known as the Swiss IJJ Tarot. Went to large bookstores, was successful, successful enough in his efforts that he began looking for other tarot cards to the decks to import and started writing his own books on the tarot, like tarot cards for fun and fortune selling, tell, tell, telling and fun and fortune, fortune telling, telling published in 1970. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> 1971, he began this, began, Jesus, fuck, I'm not even done with one non-alcoholic beer. Jeez. Okay, I am now, but anyway. <laughs> in 1971, he began to sell a Marseille-style tarot deck and then wrote a more detailed book, Tarot Classic, which goes into the history of the tarot. And around this time, he wrote about Arthur Edward Waite. And then mm-hmm. he negotiated with Ryder, the company that held the, the rights to the Ryder Waite deck. Uh-huh. And it says they weren't selling the decks at this point. Um, so couldn't import the cards, but working with Ryder and with the blessing of Waite's only surviving heir, his daughter Sybil, Kaplan would own the rights to publish them in the United States. Cool. Yeah, tarot had never really been widely circulated, uh, but Kaplan had now been selling hundreds of, um, hundreds of thousands of tarot decks in the United States, so when he began selling Waite's deck, there was a fair bit of an explosion here. Probably because Kaplan says, due to the full illustrations of the cards, this gorgeous thing, instead of just using the pips. Okay. And U.S. Games has various decks in print throughout the years, uh, but only the Rider Weight deck has never gone out of print. And demand for them has typically been consistent all the way throughout. And Kaplan said he talks about companies coming and going. They'll print one deck and be gone forever, but they've never given up. But I love this. He goes, um, because different versions of decks that they published, you know, have have come and gone of of various types. He goes, if I see a deck on sale on eBay and it's like for $100 or something, that upsets me. There's a demand for an old deck that's out of print. We'll just bring it back. The decks aren't supposed to be expensive. (laughs) (laughs) I like this guy. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you could still get a some more money for an older deck that's, you know, vintage, but yeah. Don't need to be spending a hundred dollars. Damn. That's yeah. So yeah, that's kind of it. Just to to wrap things up before we make some of our own comments about things we've done. Right mm-hmm. and Smith have been members of the Golden Dawn but they did not create a Golden Dawn deck or an Aleister Crowley deck. Obviously, that was, you know. Right. The beast. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Wait, based his major arcana imagery 
on various different things, Christian symbolism, astrological things, inventory meanings, all sorts of shit, um, and still in use today, and we're going to move on and talk about some other things, but these will come back into play, especially the hermit and things yeah. when we get to Jimmy Page. Okay. I don't know if you could hear that, but I'm opening my second. I thought I heard something. Yeah, match day light. Mm. And I tell you, I don't really love a lot of non-alcoholic beers, but this one is very English pub ale. Nice. A little biscuity, a little bitter, a little refreshing. It's good. It's good? It's good! Uh, so you said you own several decks, like a, a Tolkien, or well, Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah, yeah. And you got the Rider weight, and um, do, do you have a do you have any that you use for divination, or like even infrequently, or do you just get them for the the illustrations? I, I just get them for the illustrations. I I have, you know, I don't. I I've had tarot readings. I don't know that I've actually done one myself. Um, I've I've done divination things, but not with tarot decks. Ooh, well, that may be another good episode then. Okay. Yeah, that'd be good. I'm gonna write that down. Yeah. So now, now one of the ones I did do was it did use cards. It used regular deck of playing cards. Um, it was, I don't know, supposedly based on some Chinese thing. And I'm now that I'm thinking about it, looking back, I'm like, why would you use regular playing cards if it was based on something Chinese? That does but, sound weird. Yeah. I was a teenager. I, it didn't occur to me. <laughs> yeah. When you're a teenager, you're just like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um, all right. What uh what's your favorite that you uh like that's illustrated? Um you know, I, I really I really like the Rider Waite. Um the the I, the the Lord of the Rings one is neat, the dragon one is neat. Um I I, I think I've got a Halloween one. Um it's okay, it's it's maybe not the best. I've seen ones like that and I don't get them because they are neat, but they don't seem to like the artist vision don't match up with mine for either Halloween or tarot, let alone the combination. Right. You know, good for them, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, the, the, like I said, I do, uh, I do like the Lord of the Rings one and the dragon one. I, th I thought those two were, those two were really neat. Uh, but I, I would, I would have to say, favorite at least as far as the illustrations go is the rider weight it is gorgeous yeah i think right now i only have three decks i've got a rider weight so it's actually like mm -hmm. a mini one that uh goes into my gypsy luck pouch <laughs> from from other divination things you know like we did when we were younger that we'll maybe have an episode on on uh gypsy magic <laughs> and yes that is what it was called at the time so, uh -huh. <laughs> uh, so getting into that fiddle of corns. Yeah. Uh, so I've got that and I've got a one English folk magic, which kind of has these old school English type of things. To be honest, I, I've read through the book and I've played with it a couple of, I don't really, I don't know. I, I didn't get in tune with it. It wasn't very good. I just didn't care for it very much. Okay. Um, I will turn my video back on so you can see it. The one I use a lot now. Uh, having for a little bit, I probably really need to again since we've been doing this. Is the Crow Tarot awesome? Oh, I love this one. Um, I... Yeah, created by MJ. Who the name? I love the artwork and I love crows, you know. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um... feel really in tune with this one. Yeah, anyway, yeah, there are a lot of neat ones out there. Some really super neat decks. So you said you've never, um, well, I guess when we do another one on divination, uh, 
you can talk about the different things then, but you've never actually done a, a spread then with tarot, right? Yourself? Or do you remember a spread that was done for you when somebody read the tarot, like how they laid the cards out? I don't remember what spread they used. I, I would venture to guess that they did the, the, the standard one. Well, yeah. Uh, the, when I've read, though, I don't, I'm don't. i not sure how standard it is. I'm assuming you mean the Celtic Cross? I think so, yeah. Yeah, where you have a, a 10 cards, you've got a uh, well, you've got the cross naturally in the middle with six cards, and then you've got like a tower on the side, and it's the present, the challenge, and the subconscious, and the past, and future, and near future, and influences, and hopes yeah. and fears, and then the outcome finally. And it it takes a while to go through, and that was the one I learned too at first. Um, but I I don't know that I the more I've read, you can kind of do whatever I. I made up my own little crow spread to go with my crow deck that kind of goes with, uh, well, um, maybe on Morgan <laughs> <laughs> and, and things. And it's, you know, I, I, I really like it. I, I, sometimes I just do a simple past, present, future where I lay out three cards and, okay. and that's it. Uh, and, and here's what I mentioned earlier, our friend, Emily. Yeah. Who's been the, she reads her all the time. Uh, she does all sorts of different things. One is, yeah, I'm not sure what she even calls some of her spreads, but she'll she'll lay the cards down, the initial few cards, and then she'll keep uh -huh. shuffling. And if a card actually pops out of her deck, she takes that as it is supposed to also be laid down and and read as part of it. And then you know she'll talk and keep shuffling. And if things keep popping out, she'll put that card down. Or if she thinks something needs more clarification, she'll shuffle and pull another card. It's kind of neat. She's very in tune with her decks. It's rather neat. Yeah. That actually, that would that would make sense. I could see that because card pops out, then maybe there's a reason why it popped out. Yeah. I know a lot of people won't keep shuffling. They'll lay the cards down for the spread, and that's kind of it. But yeah, yeah. I kind of dig that. Although she's also got anxious, nervous energy when she does it, I think, when she does it, for, you know, so... It gives her hand something to do, and I totally understand that. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Do you remember the uh, when when you would shuffle the cards? Mm -hmm. Did the uh, the person let you shuffle the cards, or did they shuffle them for you? I think they let me shuffle the cards. See, that's what I always was taught, and what I did, and I would let people shuffle the cards, and you know, whatever question they want to answer, they would focus and cogitate upon it while they're shuffling. Yeah. And then I like the little three card or the, the three cut thing too, where you lay them down on threes and, you know, it's, it's called the gypsy cut. <laughs> yeah. Back in the day where that was the term used. Uh, but Emily won't even let people use touch her cards. <laughs> she really? Pull them for you. Yeah. Doesn't that kind of take away from the point of how are you supposed to get your energy into the cards if you don't touch them? Well, that's a good point, and and I, I mentioned it, and she just said she doesn't like people touching her cards. So, <laughs> I I mean I can understand I don't like people touching my stuff. Period. But <laughs> oh, I get it. I will say though, the last reading she did for me was eerily apropos. Um, I, now I will say one of the ones one of the readings that I had done was our friend Elizabeth. Oh yeah, yeah, she did it, or probably still yeah. does. Um, but that was. That was like when we were back in college. And then uh, I know the last one I had was, it's been a while. It was probably roughly about 20 years ago. It was, uh, it was at a convention. Yeah, but yeah, yes. Yeah, it's kind of a, that's what I have. I don't know if you have thoughts or additions or anything you want to talk about regarding the tarot. No. Cool. Yeah, a little history, especially the, Rider Waite Smith deck because that'll go into Jimmy. But what we've done and 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 things, maybe we'll do a whole episode on divination that might have a little more tarot. But you know, whatever the hell else between Ouija boards and gypsy love magic and Chinese <laughs> divination using United States Western money <laughs> cards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's it. I don't, I don't have anything else, and I could keep stuttering, but I'm going to say, if you're good. I'm good. Yeah, that's what I heard. Peace.
Who you been talking to? Rebecca. She said you're good. Okay. Yeah. For nothing. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, hell, I could have told you that. <laughs> but anyway, on that mystic note of the void and nothingness, <laughs> we'll be back at you soon. So until then, you should rate us, review us, share us, tell people about us, send us $50. Give us your stories of tarot. Yes. Not terror or tarot. That's how we should have started the episode. Welcome to the <laughs> Twin Terrors Tarot-tastic <laughs> tutelage of... Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm James. <laughs> I'm Jody. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll talk to y'all later. <laughs> Bye. The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. You'll get nothing and like it. My name's not Spalding. Five bucks says the smells kid picks his nose. <laughs> Rebecca says hi. Rebecca. I'll tell her you said that. Good, and I know you'll do it that way too. Um, sure, yeah. <laughs> She's in the other room playing uh, Dreamlight Valley. Apparently, when you go into Scrooge's store. And and you buy something, he always tips or takes his hat off or tips it or whatever. I, I noticed today he's got a stack of coins on top of his head. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> uh, they're getting him right. Yeah. <laughs> of course, out of the four things, it's on the bottom. Why wouldn't it be? Too lazy to be on top. <laughs> <laughs> Been there. <laughs> <laughs> You know what, Karen Harburn, right? More Malort. More Malort. <laughs> it's like calling into a phone psychic. Don't give him any hints. Exactly, yeah. You got a job? Oh. I ain't sending you shit. <laughs> Come on, I need money for a rib. Just one rib. <laughs> and we'll divinate at you later. What? Who do you think you're fooling? <laughs> Who do we think we are? <laughs> <laughs>